Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. And welcome once again to Mother Angelica Answering the Call, where the truth is never on hold. I'm Doug Keck. (laughs) Co-hosting here with our chaplain, as always, Father Joseph Mary Wolf, as we listen to Mother take on the questions from the viewers of her classic television program that she hosted so well in the 80s and 90s, and you can still watch right here on EWTN. Always great to see you, Father. And to you, too. And you know, in Mother's book uh, they put together, In His Sandals, was actually a series she did in the late 70s. She said she wanted to live to be 100 because she said that that enables you to grow in your love of God, your love of others, and you don't know the value of that. So we're so happy that we recently celebrated Mother's 100th birthday. Right, absolutely. And uh, and she's going strong, I mean, mm-hmm. and in more <laughs> languages and in more places around the globe than mm-hmm. ever before, right? Yes, at 100 years old, she's still going strong because of the uh, miracle, if you will, of the media, and as long as this network exists, she's going to be on the air. Right, and one great things about her is she keeps us all sane. We'll talk about that in a second. Other topics on today's show, participating in redemption with Christ, the essence of intolerance, children can understand the gospel, being on a jury, and to start things off, as I alluded, staying sane amidst insanity. It's worse now than it was, I think, when Mother answered this question. It is. It's just a crazy world out there, and everyone just has that sense of that. And I just applaud the courageousness of Riley Gaines. If you know her, the NCAA swimmer who is going out, and she's speaking about just the craziness of having biological males in women's locker rooms and then competing against women. It's just insanity, (laughs) and yet... From the president on down, we have people saying, well, this is a good thing. Right. It, it, it's incredible. And I really am surprised that, in some ways that women aren't speaking mm-hmm. out more about this. I mean, you had these women's leagues, not only because, the, you know, culturally you didn't want men competing against women for other cultural reasons, mm-hmm. but because of the mm-hmm. strength and the difference and the unfairness and an ability for women to strive and achieve in their own right. And that gets taken away. Yeah, and thanks be to God for EWTN, as Mother refers to here, that there's this voice of sanity out there. And we've run some programs on gender ideology and how important it is for our people to just be informed and to have the truth about these uh, situations from people who are in the know, they have experience, they've seen the fallout of some some of these things. I recently watched a video where a woman said she knew eight women who just were reversing what had been done, and it just damaged them for life. Absolutely. Staying sane amidst insanity. We have a call. Hello? Hello, Mother Angelica. Where are you from? Uh, Hanover, Maine. And what is your question? Uh, How do you stay sane in an insane world? (laughs) How do you what? Stay sane in an insane world. How you stay sane in an insane world? You love Jesus. That's how you stay sane in an insane world. You, you see a higher being um, that has the whole thing in his hand. See? 
You also have to remember that everything that happens in the world uh, is either ordained or permitted by God. I believe in purification. I really do. I don't think we can kill babies the way we do. And now we're trying to uh, justify suicide, and now we have assisting a suicide. And, um, we're, we're telling God every day, away, oh, away, oh, we don't want you, we don't want anything to do with you. And, and, and the more we do that, the worse we're going to get. See? There's a lack of not only tolerance, but compassion and love. And, and I think you need to understand the worst purification in the world is when God doesn't purify you. When he doesn't. For the simple reason that we just go down, down, down. And the first thing you know, we don't even act like human beings. We act like animals. And, and that's what's happening today. You see? Sex among eighth graders and teenagers. And, and we just go on and on and on and on. See? We never have the courage that comes from God himself to face the reality and say, this is wrong. This is against the law of God. We're very diplomatic. I don't know. I could never be a diplomat. A diplomat to me is somebody who says a lot, but you have the slightest idea of what he says. And you go away, you say, isn't that wonderful? But you're scratching your head, you know, as if to say, well, he wasn't angry, but he wasn't nice. And he wasn't in between. I didn't get what I wanted, but he didn't say no either. <laughs> so by the time you leave, you haven't, and that's a diplomat. They, they just have a knack and trained that way. I don't know how you're trained. Trained to say a lot. Everybody walks away thinking they got an answer. They had the faintest idea what you said. <laughs> well, we can't do that anymore. See, we can't. It's like a little hole in the ground and you keep forgetting it and you don't do anything about it and it rains. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the first thing you know, you're going to fall in it. See, that's about what it is. See, It's like if somebody said, there's no hole there. I said, oh, really? No. See, over here, it's nice and solid. But the hole gets bigger. Remember the, the little, the little uh, thing about the king who had no clothes? And everybody said, whoa, that has a beautiful clothes. And this little kid said, ha ha, the king is naked. He was the only one that faced the truth. The only one that said it. So I, I would be very careful today. The more you let go, the harder it's going to be to get it back. That's why television Catholic television is so important. And this wonderful cardinal is here tonight. He's going to have television in Puerto Rico, and we're going to help him get it there. Because without television and radio to keep you enlightened as to what does God expect of you, not what this person or that person or this political party or what this organization, what does God want from you? And moving ahead, being on a jury. Now, mm. uh, were you aware that Mother was ever on a jury? Or? No, I didn't know about that. You know, I was called to jury duty, and I really fully expected because before you go 
to be appointed to the jury, you're asked some of your background, and I'm wearing my brown habit, and so I fully expected I would not be on the jury, but I was. So they, they put me on the jury, and it was really an eye-opening experience for me because I saw just the weight of making a decision based on the testimonies you hear from both sides on this person's fate and their future. And it just really it really opened my eyes. And it really brought home to me that that's why we can't make the ultimate judgment about people, about anyone. Right. We may know some of the details, but we don't know the whole story. I think it's important, too, with that. On the other side of that is this kind of aversion to judging anybody on, on anything, which mm. is what this person really is dealing with, too, which mm -hmm. is the fact that I can't go on a jury because I can't judge anybody. Well, we can judge actions as right. best. We can't judge the reasons behind those actions necessarily. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So the Lord's the only one that can judge the heart, but we can certainly say, well, that action is bad or sinful or harmful or it's not good for themselves. Right. Absolutely. That, that doing this thing is something that's negative. Now, it may be mitigated mm -hmm. by other things in a person's life or how they were raised, but changing it and saying, well, it's okay because somebody had a rough mm -hmm. childhood doesn't help anybody. And you love the sinner and you're just trying to help them to get out of the sin because that's ultimately not for their benefit either. It's ultimately going to lead to their diminishment and the harming of their own person. Absolutely. So there's no problem, except for time, with being on a jury. We have another call. Hello? Yes, Mother Angelica. Yeah, where are you from? I'm calling from Manchester, New Hampshire. What is your question? Well, I'm a Christian, and I don't feel I should stand in judgment of anybody. And back in July, I was called to jury duty here in uh, Manchester. Mm -hmm. And I haven't felt right about that. And I've looked in the Bible, but evidently not very well. And I'm still kind of un not quite at ease with this whole thing. Of jury duty? Huh? Of jury duty? Right, right. I don't, you know, I, even though I had no choice in the matter, but, uh, you know, I feel like I stood, stood in judgment of somebody when I shouldn't have. You understand what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, I think unless you have some real reason, jury duty is a kind of social responsibility. If no one did, we wouldn't have any, any duties, any, any real sound jury to decide whether someone is guilty or non-guilty. I think of the facts are presented to you and it's a very good form of, 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 of justice because in that way, if the jury is not loaded, and sometimes that happens, but if the, if the jury is an honest jury and they're trying very, very much, they're praying, at least in their own heart, it's a judgment issue. And so many people's lives were saved because they had a jury where if someone else would have judged them, they would have been maybe been killed or, or, or sent to the chair or whatever. So juries are, are good because they, they can discern, the people can discern. But you have to prayerfully execute that duty. And then if you're already prejudiced, you can't even be on a jury. It's very hard today to be on a jury because there are some trials you wonder who's on trial. <laughs> well, I guess I said enough on that one. <laughs> There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on 
EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us for part two of Mother Angelica answering the call. Doug Kecht with always Father Joseph Mary Wolf, and we've got a couple of topics to talk about. Children can understand mm-hmm. the gospel, certainly, and the essence of intolerance. Let's start off first with a little bit on the gospel. You know, we had uh, a couple of beautiful articles on the register about taking your children to adoration. You know, Mother refers to that, how they can understand much more than we expect that she they can understand. And there was this beautiful picture of this little toddler, couldn't have been more than, I don't know, a year old, just looking up at the monstrance and captivated by it. And I commented on that in a homily one day, and actually his grandmother, I met her one day, she said, that was my grandson. So you know how mother brings out that children can understand more than we realize sometimes, especially regarding the faith. Right. Well, Mother points out that uh, all these leaders out there seem to have no problem uh, with sex education and everything else that's mm-hmm. uh, going on in the world, being exposing young children in, in these early grades, but they can't understand the scriptures. Right. And I think a better way to do this, and I've been at parishes where they do what is described here, I think a better way to do this is read the readings with your children before Mass or talk about it after so as a family, what did the Lord say to you? What came? What really spoke to you in the gospel today or something like that? I think that would be maybe a better, more effective way to help children to understand the scriptures. Right, and we also have the essence of intolerance. And in it, Mother talks a little bit about the old days with inclusive mm-hmm. language. I wonder mm-hmm. what you'd think about the inclusive <laughs> language in secular society today. Exactly. Of course, we know God is neither male nor female. He is spirit, but he is a relation of persons. And so what the Word of God says about these relationships, it uses masculine pronouns. So there's something communicated to us about the generative power of God, about the Son of God becoming man. And the Holy Spirit, too, is described with masculine pronouns. But then think about this, even old books that I've read on spirituality speak of our soul as feminine because we are receptive. We are receiving what God is giving to us. So really, I think we look at these things, it's teaching us something about relations. Right. Our two topics, children can understand the gospel and the essence of intolerance. We have another call. Hello? Hello? Where are you from? I'm from Buffalo, New York. How old are you? Ten. What can I do for you, sweetheart? Well, our priest wants us to have all the children leave Mass during the readings so another person can explain the readings to us. I don't really want to, but is this okay? Uh, that's another thing I have a hard time with. It seems to me, my dear, that if these uh, leaders feel that your kids should learn sex education in kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, grade, 10, 11, 12, grade, they can understand the scriptures. Read it to them slowly. (laughs) 
You know, we do have strange things going on in this world. We, don't, we think the children are not too bright about the Trinity. But then we pour them in pornography, in sex education. I get such volumes of awful stuff from parents. And I, I don't understand that. I really don't. If you can corrupt the mind that young, seems to me you want to build it up that young. When I was in the first grade, I meant the mass before school. When I was in the second grade, in the third grade, and the fourth grade, and the fifth grade, and the sixth grade. I hated the nuns so bad, by the sixth grade, I went to public school. <laughs> but it's not because of anything that they did. It was because I didn't understand why I wasn't like everybody else. And they didn't understand either. But I knew when Father lifted that host, even in the first grade, something wonderful happened. Didn't help me much, because I didn't think about it. But I knew. Children today run computers at five. Isn't it strange that we think they can run computers, but they can't understand the gospel? Maybe it's because the way you write it. <laughs> if you let the inspired word be as it is, they'd know what you're talking about. Don't shortchange children. I've had a little girl come in, she was no more than four, and she looked up the blessed sacrament and she said, Hi, Jesus, it's me. I think she could listen to the gospel. We have a call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Where are you from? Diabloville, Mississippi. And what is your question? I wanted to ask you, one of the priests at our parish this week at the daily mass referred to the Holy Spirit as a she. And also, before communion, instead of saying, happy are those who are called to his supper, he'll say meal. And I interpret it as like trying to spur us or something. And where do you draw the line between being tolerant to this and then having to stand up and doing something about the, you know, I would call heresy. It's this inclusive language they start putting in here and there. You see, one, we got to be very careful when we take the sacrifice out of the Mass. You take the Mass out of the sacrifice. The Mass is a sacrifice. And uh, when they start with the meal, the supper, and it is a meal, but it is also, most important, a sacrifice. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for me and for you. We die with him daily. We take up our cross daily. I think there is a difference between tolerance and saying, well, let everything go. For example, if your child was on drugs, it is not tolerance not to correct them. Correction is a part of being tolerant, which means you love this person so much that you want him to get away from the wrong direction and come on the right direction. See, if I were, you can become intolerant in correction by being harsh with your correction, 
by letting that person know you not only dislike what he did, but you dislike that one person. See, you got to divorce from your correction the person that did the, that committed the sin. So you hate the sin, but you love the sinner. That's what tolerance is. Intolerance is when you hate both. It's also pride. You see, the Pharisee was intolerant. I tithe, I fast, and I sure glad I'm not like this man behind me. That's oh, that's the essence of intolerance. He rash judged. It is charity on your part to go and tell him that this is wrong. He has no permission from anybody to use inclusive language in the consecration. That's, that's not right. And you love him less, see, by letting him go. And wrapping things up for this week, the question is participating in redemption mm -hmm. with Christ. How do we do that, or do we do that, Father? We do by his design and i think the key thing here is that co does not mean equal <laughs> it means with <laughs> and so no one is equal with christ in his work of redemption and yet he associated others in his work especially his mother but also the apostles he sends them out they heal they deliver they teach but also we are members of his body, so we share in his work of suffering. As Christ says in Colossians, that I make up what has yet to be suffered in the body of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. Mother points out, I thought this was really interesting. She said, Jesus offered himself for mankind. We offer ourselves for poor sinners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's a way that we can um, unite ourselves with him. And so when we think of someone who, whenever we're suffering, we can make an offering of that. And that's such a wonderful thing as our, our Catholic faith teaches us. And certainly prayer, our uh, praying for those who we think are suffering and, and, uh, and hoping for the best for them mm -hmm. and, and helping them along on their path. Because we all know we've all been upheld at different times and tough <laughs> times in our life. We know somebody's gotta be praying for us, right? That's right. And whenever we're suffering again, just uh, that we need to be reminded of that truth of our faith, which is such a consolation, really, that my suffering's not wasted. It's not uh, something that can't be uh, redeemed. Offered. Absolutely. Participating in redemption with Christ, Mother Angelica. We have another call. Hello? Hi, Mother. Where are you from? Los Angeles. Wonderful. What's your question? Well, you made this a special day for me. I got through to Rush Limbaugh this morning. I get to talk to you this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I also turn in a bunch of petitions to our local cable company here in uh, Los Angeles. And um, I think in June we might get you on our cable Wonderful. System. Keep at it. Okay, dear. Uh, my question was, we were talking about the mother... Uh, mother uh, Call Redemptrix. Mother co-redemptus, and, and I think that title belongs to everyone who carries Christ to other people, and I think we need modern-day saints and people to consider themselves that way. I think we all participate in, in giving Christ's message to other people, and, and, and do, so doing, that makes us co-redemptress. Well, uh, in, uh, in St. Paul's epistle, he says, this is a wicked generation, and your lives should redeem it. Say, so what does that mean? There's nothing you can add to the sufferings of Jesus. He is the only, one and only Redeemer. But 
we add our part. By our example, we help our neighbor to suffer more when sufferings come his way. We help to save souls. We even help those poor souls in purgatory, you see. We imitate Jesus. He offered himself for mankind. We offer ourselves for poor sinners. And, and St. Paul said that we should, we should suffer for what is wanting in the sufferings of Jesus. But there's nothing wanting. God is infinite. We're finite, you see. But it means add to. Be with. That's what it means. And when we talk about Our Lady, co-redemptrix, mediatrix of all grace, we say with Jesus. She suffered with Jesus the most perfect way. The apostles left. They ran away. Um, John stuck around because he loved Our Lady. He was feeling sorry for her, and he loved the Lord in a very special way. Uh, one denied him, one betrayed him. Mary stood the whole way. See, the others later on began to understand the role of suffering, especially the disciples going to Emmaus. Our Lord appeared, and they didn't even see him. They didn't even recognize him. He said, wasn't it necessary for, for the Messiah to suffer. And he went through the scriptures and they said their heart burned within them, see? And, and so you have to realize that we all suffer for mankind. And the more evil humanity becomes, the more corrupt, the more that it flies away from the Lord, the more it, it rejects Jesus and, and the Father and the commandments, the more we're going to suffer. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.